1: God is not into gimmicks. God is not into formulas. God is in, is in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit working through individual lives. I believe that others could have gone in. It didn't have to be Paul. I believe that some of these 12 men that Paul led to the Lord, or perhaps others that were there that Aquila and Priscilla had been ministering to, they could have done the very same thing. They could have gone in and they wouldn't have to say, "I, I in, G- in the name of Jesus, the one that Paul preaches about. No, they could have come in and says, in the name
0: of Jesus, my Lord. It's pretty easy to read the Bible and compare ourselves with the titans of faith that the stories contain. Maybe we even think there's no way we could ever have that kind of faith. Pastor David wants to encourage us that we can. We only need the faith of a mustard seed to be used by the Lord. He can work with what little we have to offer. A great prayer during a time of testing would be, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Strong faith is something that we all could use an extra dose of each day. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 2 with today's edition of The Open Word.
1: Turn to Acts chapter 18, because I want to give you a little bit of background of the happenings there in Ephesus. Verse 18, so Paul still remained a good while in Corinth. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Sinchorea, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them, left Priscilla and Aquila, there in Ephesus but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews and when they had asked him to stay a longer time with them he did not consent but he took leave of them saying i must by all means keep this coming feast in jerusalem but i will return again to you god willing and he sailed from ephesus so there was not much by way of evangelism that took place as far as paul was concerned at this point in time he only went in for a short time uh, probably just a a couple of a few days but he did leave aquila and priscilla there to again carry on the work so we're going to pick the story back up in verse 24 acts 18 beginning in verse 24 now a certain jew named apollos born at alexandria an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to ephesus This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, which is in the area of Corinth, the brethren wrote and exhorting the disciples to receive him there. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. It's kind of interesting. When Apollos first comes to Ephesus, he really has not made the connection that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He was teaching them that Messiah was coming. He was teaching the message of John the Baptist, and he was teaching the baptism of John the Baptist. Again, I know that I'm a sinner, and I want to commit my life to God, and this baptism, again, is just a sign that I want to be washed, I want to be cleansed by the power of God. Again, not that the baptism, not that that water had any power, but it was a symbolic of what had taken place. Much the same way that when John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan, and remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees came along, and they wanted to be baptized. If the water is saved, hey, come on down, you sinners, you need to get saved. No, John said, no. You go and show that your life has changed. You go show works of repentance before I even let you in here. Because he knew their heart had not been changed. Well, Apollos knew that message. And he knew from the teaching, the preaching of John, that Messiah was coming very soon. But apparently he had left that area of Israel prior to, again, the ministry of Christ. So when he came and he was teaching to the Jews that Messiah was coming at any moment, at any time, you need to get your life turned around you need to repent you need to make your heart and life ready for messiah when aquila and priscilla heard him teaching they went to him and they said hey listen let us explain to you messiah has come and it says that they again they explained to him the way of god more accurately so that by the time apollos left ephesus and went over to corinth then he was teaching from the scriptures that jesus was the christ now Sometime after Apollos went over to Corinth, Paul returns back to Ephesus in one of his other journeys. We pick the story back up actually now in chapter 19. In chapter 19, we find uh, there that Paul finds these apostles, or these disciples there, disciples of the Lord in Ephesus. But they had not been thoroughly taught as far as Jesus and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They had been baptized, again, with John's baptism in the way that Apollos would have done it. These are some that, undoubtedly, Apollos had had an impact on. Now Paul comes in and begins teaching them more completely, and he's able to explain to them more. More completely, again, the fulfillment of the promise that was found in Christ. So we're going to pick this up in chapter 19, verse 4. Then Paul said, "Indeed, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. And then Paul explains it. That is Christ Jesus. Well, when they heard that, they were then baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Verse 8, and he went, Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly. This time he's staying for a while. Now he's speaking for about three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. And when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them, in other words, from that synagogue, and then he withdrew with some of the disciples, reasoning daily then in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued now for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Paul came in, and as was his custom, he went and shared with the synagogue. And when the synagogue shut their doors to him, then he went from there and began teaching at the school of Tyranius. Now, at that point in time, the message of Paul was going from one individual to another to another, and the message was spreading all around that portion of Asia. In essence, there was a, there was a revival going on that had started in Ephesus that was spilling out into these other, uh, cities in that area of the, of the world, that region. The Lord was laying a strong foundation for the gospel to continue even after Paul would leave. We find that during this time, there were those that were jealous of that work and and the ministry of Paul. And they tried to take matters into their own hands. I love this story. I find a lot of humor in this uh, story of uh, the seven sons of Sceva. And that's found uh, there in verses 13 through 16. Seven sons of Sceva. Sceva was a Jewish high priest. These seven sons figured, well, if Paul can cast out a demon, uh, Paul's no better than I am, I can cast out a demon. So these seven sons go to this man and we, we, they go to him and they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we command you to leave this man. Now, so it's evident in their life, they don't know Jesus. They're just saying, hey, we heard the magic words. We we, we heard the formula. And so we're going to use the formula. We're going to use the magic words, and we're going to get this demon out of this guy. But listen to what happens. Down in verse 15, it says, and the evil spirit answered. And that probably scared him to death anyway. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and uh, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? And at that point in time, it says, the man in whom the evil spirit leaped then upon these seven guys, he overpowered them, he prevailed against them, and so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That had to be some kind of fight going on. These seven guys probably fighting for everything that they are worth. Their very lives are on the line here. And this one man filled with this demon is just tearing these guys to pieces. And they fled the house finally, naked and wounded. Why wouldn't the Lord just deliver this man? I mean, after all, they said, in Jesus' name. Why wouldn't he do that? I'm going to tell you, because God is not into gimmicks. God is not into formulas. God is in, is in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit working through individual lives. I believe that others could have gone in. It didn't have to be Paul. I believe that some of these 12 men that Paul led to the Lord, or perhaps others that were there that Aquila and Priscilla had been ministering to, they could have done the very same thing. They could have gone in and they wouldn't have to say, "I, I in, G, in the name of Jesus, the one that Paul preaches about. No, they could have come in and says, In the name of Jesus, my Lord, the God of the universe, I command you to leave him. And I believe that God at that moment would have, again, cast that demon out of that man. But these men had no connection with God. Anything and everything that they would do would have been by formula, by gimmick the unfortunate thing even as we read in the uh new, in the new testament in the book of acts remember simon the the sorcerer he saw that again uh, people were being healed and miracles were happening and he says hey uh i, I want to buy that. that 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 is a cool trick that's that's a better trick than anything i want i want to buy that and what was told may, may may you perish in your money with you because again the power of god can't be bought and god is not going to allow himself to be used as a parlor game or parlor tricks. They couldn't just conjure up the Holy Spirit to remove this demon. The Lord let this demon then have his way with these seven guys. And you know what? The community then heard about what happened to these guys. And what happened? They were amazed. Pick it back up. Verse 17. This became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. It was magnified more by that guy not getting healed from the demon than it would have been if those seven guys who didn't know Jesus were able to cast that demon out. The word got out, and the name of the Lord was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing, and telling their deeds. This revival that's happening in Ephesus is growing in intensity and in depth, both width and depth. Beloved, that's the only way I would ever want our church ever, ever to grow, is that it would first grow in depth long before it grew in width, because a wide church is a powerless church. A wide church that does not have depth is just another club. It's just another meeting, and it's meaningless to the world outside. And say, look, oh yeah, they got a lot of people, but hey, I, I see that guy down at the the club, and I'm not talking about the exercise club. Uh, I see this, I see you know this this gal. I had to deal with her man in a business deal. Man, you don't ever want to deal with that lady at all. And they're part of a wide church. I want a church that when we're in the world. That people look and see, man, what a dynamic difference. We live our lives to where it impacts the world that's around us. Width does nothing. Depth does great, great and mighty things. Many believe they came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. God was doing a powerful and a great work. And he wasn't going to let the charlatans get in the way of his glory. God was on the move in this great city of Ephesus, and he wasn't going to allow a false movement to come and take place. And yet, even at this, we see, again, the enemies of the Lord, the enemies of the gospel, they're, they're not, they're not going to keep quiet. They're not done. They don't want the gospel spread. They don't want lives to be changed because the, li- the the gospel had changed the lives of so many men and women that it was starting to change the landscape of that city and even that region, as a matter of fact, there was such a move of God that men who sold these little statues and these little idols, they began losing money. Wouldn't it be great if a revival took place in our town so great that the drug lords and the drug deals that are so rampant in the city, they just didn 't have any any customers that'd have to move on? wouldn't it be great? If the revival in this city and people got truly saved, not just saying, oh, I'm a member of this church or I'm a member of that church, but they got so truly saved that the bars started losing business in the town. Wouldn't it be great if there was such a revival within the church of God that the divorce court would have to close because there's just no business because even the Christians aren't getting divorces anymore? Now, that would be amazing. And that's what was going on, in essence. Some of you have heard, uh, the, the, the great events of the Welch revival. Literally and truly at that Welsh revival, bars were being closed because the guys that used to go in and spend all of their money every day were no longer going there. Marriages were healed. Why? Because the guy that would never come home because he spent his whole time in the bar until he was so snockered that he came and collapsed at home before he woke up the next morning and went back out to work. These guys were getting saved. They were coming home. They were, again, getting to know their children, getting to know their wives and their families. And it changed the entire countryside. Why? Because God was on the move. And this is what's going on in Ephesus at this point in time. And you need to realize this is like in the um, 35 to, to 40 A.D. time period this is uh, again this is happening just just a few years after the death burial resurrection and the ascension of our lord jesus as paul is out on these missionary journeys and we see this spirit of god working and moving in such a powerful way but look what happens and uh, i don't know if we have time to read all of it but uh, this riot that that takes place in chapter 19 you can look at it sometimes later uh, at, at about verse 23 there arose a great commotion about what what does your version say a great commotion about what the way that's what they were calling us christians the way i love that name i love that why because there's no other way outside of jesus there is only one way and that's jesus this was the way to salvation through jesus and they were called the way there's such a disturbance about it Demetrius, a silversmith, he couldn't even sell his little silver shrines of Diana. And, and again, they weren't making any profit, and so he starts complaining. Men, you know that you, that we have our prosperity by this trade, verse 26. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but where? Throughout almost all of Asia, This Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying they are not gods which are made by hand. So he is messing up our business, our lives, our community. And in reality, he's bringing it right again. And so a big riot takes place in the the midst of Ephesus and we read again that uh, again the 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 coming against him and trying to again the this big uproar that was going on by the time you get to chapter 20 verse 1 says after the uproar had ceased Paul called the disciples to himself he embraced them and he departed to go to Macedonia okay so from there Paul moved on to Greece, then to Philippi, then to Troas. From Troas, he and some of his companions headed towards Jerusalem to keep the day of Pentecost. As they were coming around by sea, they landed in Miletus Miletus is south of where Ephesus is, but he decided he was going to sail past Ephesus because, again, he didn't have the time to spend there because he had to get to Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. Neither did he want to cause the big uproar again. We pick the story up in chapter 20, verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day. Pentecost, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called for the elders of the church. So there they are in Miletus, and he sends a runner or a messenger to go up to Ephesus, tell the elders to come down here and meet me. I'm not going to go up there. So he, they go and get the elders, and when they'd come to him, he said to them, this is Paul speaking to the elders of the church or churches within uh, Ephesus. There could have been a multitude of uh, uh, whole house churches, there could have been multitude of churches that were still meeting at some of these various schools and training areas, anyway the elders come and he's speaking to them and he says in verse 18 you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what matter I always lived among you serving the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. It's that idea again, those house churches that he would just go from one to another and to another and just give them the fullness of the gospel, not holding back anything. He says I was testing verse twenty one, I was testifying to the Jews, also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. See? Now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, and indeed... Now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Paul understood this was going to be his last stop there. He knew that when he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested. We know the story of Paul. At that point in time, they got him on a ship. He finally ended up in Rome, in a prison in Rome. But he goes on to tell them in verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, if you would have stopped right there and if you said, God bless you guys, go in the strength of the Holy Spirit, I will see you later, he would have done a fairer job, but he would not have done a complete job. Because Paul also knew that the church was going to be ravaged by wolves that were going to come in. And so he began warning these elders, and this is what he said. Verse 29, for I know this, that <clears throat> after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock also from among yourselves men will rise up and i'm wondering as he's we don't know how many elders there were maybe there were a dozen maybe there were a couple of dozen we just don't know
0: Thanks for spending your time with us today on the Open Word. If you were encouraged by this time together learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about the Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through The Open Word. There really is something deeply refreshing about
1: being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about Him every time I open the Bible, but He's given me the great privilege of sharing His love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and Well, across the world with the gospel, we're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.